1: Flyers fans return from the All-Star Break with a penned letter from John Tortorella. What's all that about? And the NHL's TV ratings disaster. Let's talk about it all right now.
0: This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhard.
1: It is episode 141 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, brought to you by the Orange and Backcheck. Or excuse me, the Hockey podcast network, Aren't Your Back, Check? podcast is a member of it, and DraftKings Sportsbook and Raycon Headphones. Use promo code THPN when signing up for either and get your bonuses. Across from me as always, Scott Weinhart. What's going on, brother?
0: A man, <laughs> a little bit of everything. <laughs> the birds are in a Super Bowl. Everybody's going to be worried about that this week. You know, this thing with Tortorella coming out with the letter is... It's it's a breath of fresh air. I'm not gonna lie. It, it's um, I'll tell you what. It, it's it it's been it's been a good week, you know. Especially since you know you had the All Star game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that at all. You know
1: how many minutes of the skills competitions and the actual games that I watched, Scott, over this past weekend?
0: I'm gonna take a guess. Um, I'm gonna say point uh, 0. zero minutes
1: exactly. Like, I didn't even realize it was in Fort Lauderdale at the at the Florida Panthers stadium until I saw the logo when they introduced or when they posted it on Twitter. Like, I was like, oh, it's in Florida this year.
0: I watched parts cool. of it. I, I watched parts of it. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was really cool how they did the things with the jerseys and the gear and they went back to, like, that mid-90s logo. But, like, it was a little awkward because it was hard to see which teams are which on the ice because of the way the jerseys were designed. So like the idea was there. It just, you know, typical NHL fashion, it just, you know, great idea, just shit execution for the most part. And
1: they announced that it's going to Toronto next year for twenty twenty four. And
0: when is it gonna to come to Philadelphia? I mean not I, like was so gonna bring going up
1: there? you know I think it's gonna be in twenty twenty six because everything's coming to Philly then because you have the MLB All Star game, you have the World Cup. Um it, everything's coming here because it's 250th anniversary of uh, the declaration of independence and independence uh-huh. day. So right.
0: 2026. So, right. I mean, they uh, yeah. haven't had it here since 1992. It's been, you know, it's been 31 years already. It's every team around a league who's got it more. I mean, the like, Toronto had it. I think in 2000, that's when they opened the air Canada center, what it was called back. then. I don't know what it's called now, uh,
1: so. but what really stuck out to me and what really stuck out to the entire NHL world was the report of TV ratings. Uh, For the NHL. Now, we're obviously comparing a little bit of apples to oranges when it comes to the because last year obviously was the 56 game schedule thanks to the COVID pandemic. We're finally back on track this season with 82 games. But this does not look good. 22% on the whole across the board down in ratings. Local TV ratings are even lower. I did not even see anything about the Flyers. I can only imagine that that is low as can as it can go for a team like this. Typical, what you expect out of the big ones. Pittsburgh Blues are actually a good one. Minnesota was a decent one, and of course, Boston Bruins are are, are, at, are flying high because of just their complete dominance. So, your takeaway? I, I I'm fascinated by the 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 takes I've seen and I've heard over other other Flyers podcasts, other hockey podcasts. I think all make great points. I think they all are in the right mindset. But what are your thoughts on? Why are we not seeing people watch the NHL anymore?
0: Well, let's let's start off with a couple of obvious things. The game has changed over the last twenty, twenty five years. With ever since the, uh, you know, I'd say over the last twenty years, the game has really changed. It's not, you know, the physical um, game it used to be. It's more based on uh, skill. It's more based on speed. There's not a whole lot of personality in it anymore, and I think that drove away a lot of the older fan base who uh would be the would be people who really watched that and and, and grew up with it you also have as like uh Anthony San Filippo reported over on uh Snow the Goalie, he mentioned that you know like for instance like the, the numbers are a little bit skewed 22% because for instance like you'll have like Boston uh who will play on TNT often cuz they're the best team in the league and but you have over 600,000 people not watching them alone on that game because Nessun has the rights and it's blacked out on TNT so that's one part of it. The second part of it as well, um, let's just be honest. It's By the it, way, it,
1: that's, blackouts are so dumb. The idea they're the of, dumbest thing they're, ever. They're, the, the blackout is one of the dumbest things that really any sports league, but the NHL especially. MLB too, you can throw it in there if you want to. I know Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, is, is being criticized for their own blackouts. But there is absolutely no advantage to forcing your audience into one area of a television set, set if at all. Like, if you're just blacking it out as a whole. It doesn't make sense. Make it as, as accessible as possible. The NBA does dual broadcast, where it's the local NBC broadcast in Philly, along with ESPN or TNT. You should be able to do that in the NHL, too. It's a, it's and and think
0: of it this way. And think of it this way. There's a lot of people in Philadelphia, their only option to be able to watch TV is either with Comcast or DirecTV. DirecTV does not carry NBC Sportsnet because Comcast owns it and Comcast wants that money because they're greedy fucks. So, pardon my French, but it's the absolute truth. So, the issue here is that the NHL is shooting itself in the foot with that, with one part. And I get it from, okay, so there's two schools of thought on this. Because I know someone's out there, well, you're an idiot. It's a business. Obviously, if a company like Comcast is paying out a lot of rights to NBC Sports or whatever for those rights, they want people with the eyeballs there to sell the ads there, all that stuff. Great. But if you're trying to watch around the league and you have blackouts, then less people are going to be watching. Because if you can't watch it in Philadelphia because you have Direct TV, well, guess what? You're not watching it at all. You're pirating it online if you really want to watch it that badly. And that doesn't help the league. So... It's, it's archaic thinking I, I, remember, I remember back in the day when I was a kid and if the vet didn't when the eagles weren't good then the vet would not sell enough tickets they wouldn't broadcast the game on local TV so you had to go to the game to watch or listen on the radio so it it's just it's 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 garbage thinking it, you know it needs to modernize and it's not they haven't done it yet but going back to the viewership one part of it is the game, is the fact that there's no personality, there's less fi- there's less fighting, there's less physicality, doesn't have the personality. It's um, you know, a lot of older guys, you know, say, you know, uh, you know, that's it's figure skating with with sticks. You're not too far removed from the truth. People want action, but the issue is, is that hockey has become so expensive to get into the arena to begin with. Is that you can't take a family of four and go without blowing at least 500 bucks. Like, I remember back in the day when they had the Phantoms across the street, and they'd be like, hey, four tickets, four hot dogs, and four sodas for 44 bucks. You could go out and enjoy that. You know what I mean? You could take your family out there, have a night out, and enjoy a hockey game, and get kids into it. You don't have that now. It's not as accessible as the Sixers are with with the seats and stuff like that. Um,
1: Despite being in the same arena.
0: Correct. And I think that there's an advantage to having that locality factor in there, but at the same time, it, it hurts your national audience because like, for instance, Bruins fans aren't just in New England. Flyers fans aren't just in Philadelphia. They're scattered around the states. They're scattered around the world. But the bigger problem is too, is that there's some games like with ESPN Plus that you have to have a subscription to in order to watch a game, a, a regular game. And I think that's so ass backwards of what the league, yes, it makes the money, and, of course, ESPN wants to push their product. But when you force people who want to watch a game to not be able to watch it except exclusively on an app or have to watch it on their local channel and they have no other options, guess what? People are going to go through the trouble because hockey is still a niche sport. So people are not going to go through the trouble to be able to watch hockey if they don't really care about it that much. So that I'm not surprised that the league is down 23%. In fact, I hate to say it, it's good. Because I think that with in the last decade since the last lockout, the owners have gotten so—they already are greedy. Don't get me wrong. They've gotten so focused on the revenues and the percentages of much their cut is going to be, and they're not marketing the players enough. They're not getting you know uh, it, the players out there to get noticed. You know, back in back in the day, you'd have the little featurettes on Comedy Central like Eric Lindros or you know people, and you'd see the guys' personalities. Well, you don't you don't see that now. You don't see any of that. You gotta go on YouTube to watch it. That's not making the league. I any will money. say
1: during the one thing I did watch during All-Star Weekend was the thing that they did on Alex Ovechkin an hour before I wanna say the skills competition started on how he's gonna he's right up against Wayne Gretzky on goal scoring record. Uh at at the time he's now at eight twelve, I think. Obviously Gretzky's at eight ninety-four. That was fascinating. That was the most intricate thing that they did all weekend, and it had nothing to do with it, the product on the ice. So to your point, like that, getting those inside views of because they touched on his 2016 uh, Stanley Cup win when you got to see him have the greatest, greatest Stanley Cup celebration that I've seen in my lifetime. It was awesome. I can't he wait. Stand. Yeah, did a keg stand uh, and all of it. Like, I want a flyer to do that. I can't wait to see Scott Lawton do that on Broad Street. I really can't. I hope that that happens. But being able to watch the insight on how Ovechkin said, he said this line and I'm based on your reaction I'm guessing you didn't watch it.
0: No, I haven't watched it yet. No.
1: He said the if the goalie makes a save, he's just lucky. If he gets if he doesn't if he doesn't make the save, that's that. That's a goal. Like, that is Ovechkin's mindset, and you have nothing but appreciation for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know you know that shot's coming off the circle every single time. Everybody knows it's coming, but he can't get there because it's blowing it past you. But that's, but that's the thing is, like, Bill, like, you, you make a great point because he is, he is one of the, the, the most dynamic player to ever play the game of hockey. Now, look, Conor McDavid may be the best overall player out there right now, but nobody has come close to touching Gretzky's record, and this guy's probably going to break it. And, you know, I understand he's been the fate, one of the faces of the NHL for the last 17 years. I get it. Him and Crosby. McDavid now. Yeah, McKinnon, you know, like a 1A type deal. My my problem is is that th- there should be more of that. You gotta see more of that on a national stage. People know of Ovechkin. They know what he scores a lot of goals, but they don't know about Ovechkin himself. You don't get these in-depth players where you feel like you have a connection like you do with guys like on the football field or in the baseball stadium or in the NBA and maybe because their rosters are small, but you, you know every player out there on the Eagles and when they make a tackle, when they make a play. You know, they they do so many things in the NHL where it just doesn't doesn't you're not you're not you're not marketing your assets. Your assets are your players. And they have personalities. And they're funny guys. But they get so closed off into that damn locker room. And it keeps so much in that locker room. And I feel like it, 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 people don't make that personal connection. It's not like with the bullies back in the day where people felt like they were a blue-collar team that go out there, that'll go out with drink beers at Rexy's after the bar, at, at the bar after the game. They would, they would hang with you. They'd be a part of the community. We don't see enough of that from the NHL enough. They have community initiatives, but they are not entrenched in the community like other teams are. And the problem is it's so overexpanded now that 32 teams in the NHL is just way too much. And some of them in the shit markets like Arizona. I'm sorry. There is no damn excuse for an NHL team be playing at a 5,000-seat stadium at a college That's the reason why the NHL is in the situation it's in is because it's so goddamn stubborn with the ownership and with Gary Bettman and then pushing these specific markets when nobody wants to watch it there in the first place. Now, I understand. I understand that it's a northern sport to begin with, but you have big markets with good teams like Dallas. Dallas is a non-traditional hockey market, but it's grown there. Arizona is not a hockey market. It never will be. It won't stop forcing it to be take the team, pick it up, move it to Kansas City where it's colder or move it to Quebec City. I don't care about the goddamn dollar difference. It's going to bring eyeballs to it that they just they're so captivated by the money. It just they don't see the bigger picture and they're shooting themselves in the foot because at some point MLS is going to be more popular than them. It's already happening. Yes,
1: 100 percent, especially here in the local area of Philadelphia. The union are right up against the heels of, of the union, of the Philadelphia Flyers. No doubt in my mind. If that. they have not surpassed them already after a championship appearance this past season as they gear up for another one in, over these next couple of weeks.
0: And and what's the bigger reason why, Bill? What's the biggest reason why people people are uh, attaching themselves to the union? Accessibility. Rather than the flash.
1: They're right. The, yes. Accessibility. Despite even being in Chester. They are more accessible. You know who the players are. Andre and Blake. it's
0: affordable. It's affordable. It's affordable. It is affordable. And it, it, it drives me nuts how the NHL has all these little trinkets. They have ads on the jerseys. They have ads on the helmets. They have digital boards. Now, now digital so get boards, revenue I was from say, that. Yeah. yeah, digital boards, including the boards they have there at the stadium. And then they have all these different things. The, the ads that are on the netting behind the goal that stay there constantly. They have all these different things and yet it's still not enough. Like, I, 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 it just bewilders me that I just feel like, and I understand the overhead's higher than, like, the NBA or the MLB or the NFL. I, I understand that, and there's a lot more travel involved. But the league is so overexpanded. There's such a, a, a devoid of great talent that you don't have the names and the players like they used to have. They like, you know, I think, too, then take a quick step back. I'm sorry I'm going on a tangent, but I, I think this this point I'm about to make is critical. You, you, you don't have the rivalries you used to have. You, you didn't have it where, like, you know, the Islanders and the Flyers in the early 80s when the Islanders won four straight Stanley Cups. You didn't have it where, like, you know, the Battle of Alberta really meant something because it was, you know, Gretzky and Messier and, you know, and, and Yari Curry and Paul Coffey and Grant Fuhrer going against the likes of, like, Mike Vernon. And, um, uh, but uh, who else, who else is on that, on that team? Theo Fleury, uh, all these, all these other guys, like just throw names that you don't have those rivalries anymore. There's no, there's no attachment yeah. to it.
1: Honestly, what was called for by a star player. And we'll talk about it in a, in a minute here. That was called about how they should change up the playoff format. will reignite a lot of those rivalries that you're talking about. I truly believe that. Um, but before we get to that, what, focus uh, flyer centric here. Um, torts wrote a letter to season ticket holders, basically saying, thanks for sticking with us. The, this has not been an easy season. Obviously we are laying the groundwork. We are building something. He said in the letter, which was obviously approved by the front office before it went out to season ticket holders. Um, my interpretation of it was, front office has accepted reality towards has always accepted that this is, this was how the season was going to go. Yeah. You're six points out with a couple of games uh, ahead of um, Pittsburgh. Co- Co- Pittsburgh has like two or three games in hand, but like the the reality was, this is what the Flyers are going to be. They weren't going to be great. Certainly weren't going to be great. Weren't going to be terrible, unfortunately, and to get a Connor Bedard and just be this team. But he sees the he sees the groundwork, and I can buy into it. Whether I want to want to or not is is my decision. It's it's my hurdle I have to get over. But reading this letter, I was like, front office finally realizes. Yeah, we have to call this a, a rebuild as close as you can. They didn't say rebuild; they said building, which I was content with. I was like, great. So I'm glad. I'm happy. I'm honestly happy because honesty. If your team sucks honesty will get you so, so so far in life being being honest as i honestly say that i'm choking to death on
0: this uh episode you you're, you're doing what they should be doing and go for Bernard yeah, for most exactly. people <laughs> look i i look at this letter entirely differently this tells me that there's light at the end of the tunnel look i you anybody who listens to this podcast know that i'm just a and probably an over optimist this thing and, and give this team too much slack but you know what? I, I just see the game differently than a lot of other people do. And that's, and that's honestly the truth. And I, I see the game the way I see it. Um, you know, Maybe it's because I grew up playing goal and just I've always seen the game differently. But when I, say, when I see this, I'm not going to lie to you, and I want to be clear about this. We're not there yet. This year was the first step in building the future of the Flyers and restoring our reputation as one of the most respected teams in hockey. That tells me there's light at the end of the tunnel. I I I know they're not there yet. I didn't expect them to come out the way they say and say, hey, we fixed it. We fixed our shit. We're going to be great now. No, I think it's setting the expectation of saying like, guys, like we're on progress. We're on track. It's going to take a little more time. And what I mean by a little more time is I'm not talking about tearing the whole thing down and rebuilding, you know, retooling or what, a couple episodes, whatever, ap- whatever, whatever phrase, right, right, right. we, whatever we, frame yeah. you want to use, you know, whatever, aggressive retool, whatever. They are building something. What they're building is the identity that this team has been missing for over a decade. I don't necessarily view this whole thing as a mission of a rebuild. I view it as they're, they're looking at this and saying, we are building a foundation to get this team to where the fans and the front office wants it to go. And then and we're on the right track of it. it it's going to – he's right when the big test comes out this part of the season because, look, regardless of what anybody says, and I know they lost against the honors last night, coming back from that, If, if anybody wants to look at this and really be like, just take it on its face. The flyers are currently six points out of a playoff spot. Now that doesn't mean just because they make the playoffs that they're there or they, they made it or anything like that, but it tells me we're not there yet, but we're building something because the team that was expected to finish dead last, is technically pushing for a playoff spot. I mean, really, when you're six points out at this point of the season. Yeah, you're three and a half games out. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad at all to be where you're at when you're what, 52 games into a season? Yeah. So 52 games, yeah, and 30 you're 21, games 22, and nine. You know, it, it, things, stranger things have happened. Now, you won't, you won't get the top wild card, but you're in, you're in the fight for that second wild yeah, card. Yeah, just to spot get demolished
1: by name. Boston. That's great. And, what that, you know what, though? I wouldn't approve. I like I would I don't know would would you really enjoy that like that that's really what it comes to. would you really enjoy getting demolished by Boston in in the first round of the playoffs
0: I'm glad you brought that up because would I be happy with this team being swept in 3 games no 40 I, Oh yes, it's, it's i Sorry. no yeah, I'm yeah, seeing yeah, point yeah. cuz Boston's that good yeah, yeah yeah no I would not like to see that but you know what I would like to see I would like to see this team take that step and say, you know what, we pushed, we got there. What pieces do we need to add? Yeah, that's I mean, I I can buy in like the the feelings I had
1: 15 games ago is obviously way different than the game feelings I have now about this team. So yeah, I, like I get it. Like it I get what you're saying when you when you bring that that kind of logic here, but like I don't know. Like it it's especially because we're spoiled, it's one of the few times in Philadelphia sports history, probably not since the nineteen eighty three season, where we see all the success from the soccer at MLS with the Union, as we just mentioned. Obviously, the Eagles are in the Super Bowl this week, this coming weekend, and then the the Sixers the, the are the on Phillies. A, a tear. The Sixers
0: tear. The Phillies. Went won the World Series. The World
1: Series. Like we're spoiled right now. So to have a team that can sneak into the playoffs and then just get demolished, kind of, it would kind of suck, but. Uh, but then again, maybe the Eagles will win the Super Bowl on Sunday against the Chiefs, which I hope they will, and I don't care at that point because that that carries me for the rest of the season. <laughs> I don't, Eagles win the I Super Bowl, I'm good for the rest of the season.
0: Right, I, I agree. But like at the same time too, if the Flyers do make it, I think that's a. I, I think that people are looking at it from a perspective of you know going in a championship. I think that from when you're building a team a foundation it's a step in the right direction. The fact that you were able to battle through and get there considering that you lost 10 games in a row, one point during the season, that that sh- on its face should be enough to the fans to be like, "Whoa. They lost 10 in a row and they were able to battle their way through it with devoid of talent to just get a shot at it? Because look, stranger things are happening. There's no way they're going to do like what that Columbus did to Tampa in 2019 and uh, it, or, and just and just run them over. That's not going to happen. But I think that for this team as a whole, it would really give it to guys be like, okay, this sets the expectation of what we need to do just to get there. And as a team, that's really good to to build that foundation and that identity. And then from there, you tinker it, add some pieces and move some shit around and kind of see exactly how you get the team to the next level, because if you have that foundation there. You can start building. Once you once you get your foundation, your slab, your rough plumbing and all that stuff, you can start going vertical. And, and, and the team is right now, they're on the cusp of really getting to that point where they can start going vertical. Even if they finish up, I would say a few points out of a playoff spot. Call me crazy, and that's the purgatory argument that people are going to say. I think that you're in a good enough shape where you can really point out, okay, what are the moves we have to make to get this team elevated? Because you're not going to the next season with the same exact roster. They're gonna to have to make some moves, they're gonna to have to trade somebody big, they're gonna to have to wheel, wheel and deal. Someone's gonna do it, whether it's Fletcher, whether it's Briere, whether it's someone they bring out from the outside if they get to that point. That's that's the next step for this team. And I really think that this letter really captures that. I, I hope think it's man. really important.
1: I, I really do. Call me uh being an optimist all of a sudden because of again, because of the Eagles, because of the Phillies, because of the Union Sixers, all of it. I just want him to succeed, like do something to make it entertaining. And t- reading towards his letter, I like that the front office is accepting reality on what their team stands on. But you also have something to build off of. That's really what it comes down Correct. to. Correct. Um, and speaking of the playoffs, before we get to what Sidney Crosby, of all people, who I actually agree with on, a, on a, almost 150 percent of what he had to say.
0: How dare you agree with that?
1: I man. know, but I agree Grosby with him. Uh, before we get to that, this episode, as always, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. And are you ready, Philadelphia, for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL, Super Bowl, 57 is here and it has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time to see what prop bet will be boosted. See anything you do. I am riding just like the rest of Philadelphia on the entire Eagles team. Take all the points. Take Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown scorer. I think there is going to be a monster game from Devontae Smith. Pick it all, and you could join in. See if they get get some boost somewhere. You never know. Maybe Devontae Smith gets the uh, first-time anytime touchdown scorer boost them up. Let's see what happens. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is also brought to you by Raycon Headphones. This time of year, we're still in the first quarter, so you're still working on those New Year's resolutions, On everywhere, you're always talking about making big changes, which is all well and good. But most of the time, by around this time, you realize, eh, kind of unrealistic. I'm not going to the gym every day. Wish I was, but I'm not. But I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make big deal purchases. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change. Even if, it's something, even if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. I'm using my Raycons for the gym, for sitting and listening to podcasts, all of it. It's provides amazing audio whether you're looking for a pair of everyday headphones like me low latency gaming headphones or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party raycons got you covered and yup raycons start at just half the price of other premium audio brands so you don't have to choose between products you can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than what you would with some of the other guys even if you know you'll love your raycons as much as i do raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase they offer buy now pay later options i always do that love it every purchase has an easy and free guarantee free return guarantee that is and you can get a Bunch of features, three customizable sound profiles, earbud top functions, noise isolation, so much more, even waterproof. Get ready and to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon's order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN. N. You had something, Scott?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I forgot to mention this while we were going through and talking about uh, the All-Star Game. I want you to watch this clip of it. Oh, I, I and, can't and believe we, we got this. We, this is why yeah, TV ratings are terrible. This, 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 is, this is brutal. This is absolutely brutal. Now, let, let me set the stage for you. Okay. NHL All-Star Game. Okay. The biggest stars in the NHL are on the ice on a three-on-three tournament. There's three guys on the ice, okay, from each side. Not hard to kind of figure out who's out there. You know, TV guys, they have a spotter. So, you ever watch, like, Merle Reese and, like, how he does it? They have a guy with binoculars looking at the player, pointing at the thing on the roster, all that stuff. Bill, I'm going to play something for you that's just an absolute embarrassment for, for, the, for, for ESPN, and it just shows how out of touch they are and why, God damn it, they should have brought back Gary Thorne. Check this out. Okay, and look who has the puck. Over. It's Conor McDavid. He has the puck. Okay. Kaprizov played it off. <laughs>
1: Carlson back for the goal. Beautiful passing.
0: And the Pacific is on the board on the goal by Kirill Kaprizov. What? Co- Kirill Kaprizov scored the goal. No, that was he wasn't clearly
1: the- Conor McDavid.
0: That's my point, Bill. Like, that's the top ESPN announcer showing McDonough and he, uh. the best player in the league is confusing with Kapril Kaprizov. Like, McDavid looks nothing like Kapril Kaprizov when you look at the back of the jersey. Are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding? Are you that out of touch? Like, do you, do you not do your homework? Do you not look at that? Kareel, freaking Kaprizov, was not even on the ice during this whole freaking thing. And yet, it's it they, and and here's the worst part when the clip starts guess whose name is over his head it says Mick david <laughs> you can't tell me you can't have a monitor next to you to look and see oh wait i guess that says kirill kaprizov in french i don't know i i, I don't understand it's it, it's just an absolute atrocity i don't blame people for not watching because you know frankly that that's not that's not Yes, it's a it's a gaff by someone. I get it, but you you gotta pay closer attention that you can't mix up the biggest name of the NHL because I saw that and I was like, what the hell's wrong with these people?
1: Yeah, it's it's And rant. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible. There was a time I, I it had to have been NBC. It was early on in Giroux's career, and they were mistaking him for another Giroux. They kept calling I don't even remember what the first player's name, what the or the what the players that they were mistaking him for his first name was, but they shared a last name, and it was Giroux, and it was the most infuriating thing because it takes three and a half seconds to identify the right player, and they sometimes just don't take the effort.
0: But The, the, the numbers are big enough. That's If you can't see the name, you can see the numbers. I mean, you can look down at your little sheet there if you do enough prep there, but I, that's inexcusable. Yeah. That's absolutely inexcusable. It's terrible. I mean, it's a mistake. I get it. But that's inexcusable when it's McDavid.
1: Speaking of mistakes, I think one of the biggest mistakes the NHL ever did after the realignment, after incorporating Seattle Kraken into this, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Knights into this, was the conference and division realignment to reward divisions over conferences. So they and they rechanged, they changed up how the uh, how the division. Is seated. How the playoffs are seated. Everything, and now we now have Sidney Crosby, top notch player, obviously, on the back end of his career. Sadly, um, and I know that might sound blasphemous, but it is sad because he's one of the best players to ever play the game.
0: Right. He brings a lot of attention to the league. Absolutely.
1: Um, calling for a return to the one to eight format. If I'm Gary Bettman, I implement it this season. Now, obviously you probably can't because of the NHLPA and all that, but the one to eight format was the best thing that they had going and they blew it up just to blow it up. I didn't understand it. There's no reason where it's almost impossible, almost impossible for to see a division a conference finals be Edmonton or Calgary or Pittsburgh, Washington, or Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. New York, or Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Philadelphia. It's almost mm-hmm. impossible. You mm-hmm. have to have one of them be in the top three and one of them be in the division. Return to the one through eight enough of this. Empathy. I could give a flying shit about the metropolitan division. I don't care. It's like treat it like the NBA, the Atlantic division and the metropolitan divisions do not matter. If you want to make them matter, fine. Do one through, do this one through three, three thing. Then determine the 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 two wild cards, but the one through three determines the first six seeds, just like you did in in the one through eight format. Just, like just just return to normalcy, honestly. Like I, I'm, I, it's so going to the the to the TV ratings discussion. It is so alike the n the n and the NHL to say we're going to do this just to do it. We're not going to take into account what it means down the line, nine years down the line, ten years down the line. We're just going to do it because we think it's right. And then even one year in, you know it's wrong. They continue to force feed us and say this is great for the NHL, and it's not. I would return to the one two eight today, honestly, because it's not much different.
0: I've been proponent of that for years. I think big the problem is the bigger problem. The bigger problem is that the divisions are way too big. You can't have eight teams in one division. You can't because then you get into an issue where there's not enough emphasis. Like, for instance, like, th- this, is, this is the big problem of the league trying to outsmart itself. Like, okay, let's talk about the biggest markets in the Eastern Conference, okay? Let's, we're, your, your biggest markets. We'll start off, we'll say the Rangers, New York, okay? Then the Islanders, okay? Then the Flyers, then the Penguins, then the Bruins, then the Maple Leafs. Okay. How many of those are in the same division?
1: Don't you have? Be, yeah.
0: You have, you have, okay, you have eight teams in the Metro. You have Carolina, Jersey, the Rangers, uh, the Caps, Penguins, Islanders, Flyers, and the Blue Jackets. You can't have a division with eight teams where most of your major markets are in one division. Like you can't. Because guess what? If the Flyers were in the Atlantic, they would be not, in, and they'd still be in kind of the same boat that they're in now. But the issue is, is that you have it where there's there's such a lapse in talent. Where like For instance, like Detroit. Detroit's a big market, too. They're another big market. But they're almost in the basement of the Atlantic with 50 points. It wouldn't change if they changed divisions. But I'm saying is that it's like in football. We're like you have the NFC East. where the years where they weren't good, but the worst, uh, the, the, the you know, like for this season, they had they had almost three teams. They had three teams make it out of one division. It should be the best teams that get there. It shouldn't be let's do top three in this division, top three in this division. The rest of the teams they fight over two wild card spots. It, it's stupid. Get through one to eight. Make it where the points matter, and you get and then not worry about positioning and the wild card and all that stuff. Because the issue is that when you get to the playoffs. And if you look at the playoffs started today, you would have Carolina. I'm sorry. You have Boston versus Pittsburgh. And you have Carolina versus uh, Washington. Okay. Guess what you're having in the first round. You're having the Rangers and the Devils. Then you're having Toronto and Tampa again in the first round. Like, you have the same playoff matchups each year. Now, I understand in the 90s, the Flyers played the the, the Sabres a lot in the 90s. made the first rounds for a couple of years. There yeah. Because and in they the were, 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, those things are going to happen, but they're they're in different divisions, so they're not seeing each other as often. If you split them into four divisions, you know, in each side, like you do have the AFC and the NFC, you know what I mean? They have the NFC East, NFC North, NFC South and West, and you have all those divisions. You do the same thing in hockey. Well, guess what? Yeah, you're still going to have some matchups. You could put a premium on those divisional matchups and then still have it where the points matter like it used to be. The 1-8 through seed is the best because you get in, you get in. Like look at the Kings in twenty, twenty, uh, twenty twelve. The Kings were pretty much out and out of it. They get in in the last couple of days and they go and win the Stanley Cup as an eight seed. Like, yes, teams get hot, but like the wild card, it's it's too weighted because now you have what well, you have the rest of it. You have uh seven teams, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams, basically eight teams vying for two spots. Hey, there's no there's not enough separation in there for those teams to to really have it really make it really competitive. It's just you get all your – if you have, like, for instance, your top seed, your second and third place teams, you have one big matchup that you're not saving for the later rounds. So all like – like, you know, say the, the Penguins were in second place and Caps were in third. Well, guess what? You have one of your biggest rivalries in the first round, which I think is just absolute garbage. You want them in the later rounds to get eyeballs on them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Like, th- these these high-end division – in division rivalries or at this point it would be geography geography uh, rivalries whatever you want to call it should be the eastern conference final or the western conference final like it like it, it's not complicated and it's honestly not that much different like like just rattling it off real quick here boston would be the one seed carolina would be two new jersey would be three right now based on their regular overtime wins toronto Toronto would be 4, T- Tampa Bay 5, and New York Rangers 6, Washington 7, Pittsburgh 8. Like that just make Boston versus Pittsburgh in round 1 is very enticing and they're not in the same division right now. So it it and it's a it's still a rivalry technically. Like it just made Washington versus Carolina very intriguing matchup. I don't know who would say no to that. Three versus six, like that's that's New Jersey Rangers. Okay. Like that, if that's how it falls in that particular instance of one through eight, that's fine. You're not going to bitch and moan about it. Like it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: If you look at the conference standings, pretty much the way it's added up right now is that Carolina and the, the matchups would be exactly the same because of the way the points are set up. But in the West, it's a little bit different. Because in the West, you have, if you're looking at the conference, let's see. So you have, Dallas is your one seed and Calgary is your eight seed. So that would be your wild card too. Winnipeg as your two seed. And then let's see Edmonton as your seven seed. So if you break it down in the 16, wild 16, card, 16. Or your seven, no, they'd be the say be the seven seed. So like, for instance, then the issue is that like for instance, like Minnesota's, and third in their division with 58 points. Edmonton has more points than that.
1: Oh, I see. So, what you're I mean, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, So, what I'm saying is that that's, that's the issue. So, like, the third, like, if you look at the third, third place would be Seattle and Seattle would play Edmonton. So, like, for, okay, you're right. So, Winnipeg and Minnesota right now would be Winnipeg and Edmonton. And, but now you have it where, like, for instance, there's different matchups there. So, you're not relying on that. These, it doesn't matter this year, but in other years it would because this year Dallas is going to play. Uh, Let's see. Dallas would play Calgary. And you'd have Seattle play Edmonton. And then you would have Winnipeg play Minnesota. And you'd have Los Angeles playing Vegas. But if you break it out over the conference, if a one through eight today, Dallas and Calgary, Winnipeg, Minnesota. So it's the same. Seattle, Edmonton, and then Le- Le- okay, so it's pretty much the same. It is pretty
1: much <laughs> it's exactly the same. You just walked into what the NHL thought was a problem, and then they realize, oh shit, it's not a problem. What are we doing? So it it just doesn't they sh- as we said on the TV stuff, they shoot themselves in the foot and then wonder why people. That makes it so watching.
0: confused. It's the same thing as a, basically.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. You figured it out. Glad we figured that out in real time with Scott. That was fun. Well, I feel
0: like I feel like an idiot. Yeah, I it's feel like fine. Not reading that right. Uh,
1: yeah. So, like, just just make this simple. Go back to the one to eight. If you want to do top three in, in each division of the two divisions and force that on us, fine. But the one through six seed are only determined by the the top three teams. Like, and that's where Minnesota would actually fall as the six seed. So,
0: well, here and here's the here's the here's the here's the bigger thing. This is the point I'm trying to make. Let me clarify, because I, I looking at it now. Yeah, the way the reason why it works out the way it's because the way divisions are set up back in the day when they had the one through eight, they had different divisions. They had uh, three divisions. So your first your, your first place team in each division was guaranteed a top three spot. So you get either first seed, second seed or third seed, and then you battle over the rest of them. And I think that that's the way it needs to go back to. You need to split it down in four divisions. And basically it would be the top two teams. It would be the first. If you did four divisions, top seed in each division gets a playoff spot. The rest of the points, it breaks it up. You could do whatever. So it's all about points. So you have four wild card spots basically where you're filling in those spots rather than anything else. So you you're not you're not guaranteed a division matchup in your first round, which I, I'm not a huge fan of. I thing.
1: would love a four team division of Pittsburgh, New York Rangers, Washington, and Philly. Sign me a up great division. right now. just yep. Call it the Patrick division again. I don't care. But again, that goes to my point of like, the NHL has changed their division names so much that no one can remember. At one point, at one point, the Flyers were in the Western Conference. Like, Mm -hmm. so nothing matters. So Yeah,
0: when when, when they expanded, yeah. Yeah,
1: so nothing matters when it comes to this stuff. I am actually saying that out loud, the New York Rangers, Washington, Pittsburgh, Philly in one division, call it whatever you want, sign me up today. Sign me up today. Reorganize it in the middle of this season. I don't give a shit. Like, just do something. Like, make either lean into one side, be like the NBA where the conferences are all that matter, the divisions don't, or be like the NFL, what you're saying, and make it four divisions of four teams on each side and call it a day.
0: Well, like, for instance, like, let's go back and let's look at the 08-09 season, okay? If you look at the divisions, there were three divisions in the Eastern Conference, the Atlantic, the Northeast, and the Southeast, okay? So, you had, of all your teams in the Eastern in Eastern Conference, four out of the five teams in the Atlantic Division made the playoffs. You had two in the Northeast, and then two in the Southeast. That's what I'm saying, is that there's a lot more play when you have the divisions split up like that, because teams can vie over those points, and do over the spots. It's not over, hey, you have to be a top six team and guarantee yourself in and then fight over two playoff spots. That That's not enough parity. You need it where you have an emphasis on the points. So yes, each winner of the division gets in. That's three different, and I have to do four now because of the math, but you have three different divisions. The top one gets in. You have five playoff spots that the rest of the teams are fighting over, and that brings more because it, it instead of just, hey, we have to chase this one team, or this one spot, you have five teams who are fighting against each other, and it gives more a better product. That That's the way to look at if it. So, I'm, if
1: I'm Gary Bettman, and I know we'll close on this because I know you want to talk about it, I call Marty Walsh, the new NHLPA director, tomorrow and say, how do we get this done for next season? Get it done. Get I think it, it done. it be, yeah. yeah. be the
0: other way around. It's, yeah. It'll be the other way
1: probably, around. It's probably a thing that Marty Walsh has to, the new NHLPA, NHLPA director has to do. Um, what is, who is this guy? Like, I, I I, know this is probably have some lockout implications uh, down the line, hopefully for the better. But what's your take on Marty Walsh entering the NHLPA? Well,
0: you know, I, I think it's odd because he's the former mayor of Boston. He's the current U.S. labor secretary. And after Biden addresses the nation tonight, then he can move on and take on this role. He doesn't have a legal background, which which I find odd because like. You deal with a lot of legal stuff and negotiations and stuff like that, and, and legal terms and um, with with labor and then labor contracts and stuff. Um, I, I think that that's that's a strange thing, strange, strange thing to go about it. But the thing is, too, I think there was there was uh, you know word that was getting out there. Jeremy Jacobs uh, was, in, was donated a lot to his campaigns back in the day. Jeremy Jacobs is the owner of the Boston Bruins. So that, that probably is one of the reasons why his name was thrown out there. But you got to love it. It's just a strange thing. I got someone who, you know, was one of the big driving forces of the lockout back in 2012, 2013. And, you know, I look at this and I, you got to figure out what it means for the NHL and the NHLPA. The league needs to fix a lot. First of all, you know, you have, you, you have to figure out ways to ge- generate more revenue because the contracts are really laying behind. I mean, for instance, and this is why it's important is that the top players are actually making less now. Like Connor McDavid has the highest contract in the NHL right now. He's got he signed an 8-year, $100 million contract in 2017. Now, that sounds like a lot of money. 8 years is the maximum contract length that you can do in 2017. So, it's around 14 million a year. In 2008, Ovechkin signed a 13-year, $124 million contract. Yes, it's 5 more years. And it's 24 million more dollars. But that's also, if you factor in inflation, that's also a a higher number. So the the, the top players are actually somewhat being paid less. The top player in the league is making less than Ovechkin was 15 years ago. So the league has to figure something out. And hopefully with Donald Fair retiring, they can go in and actually with the next negotiations. Have things a little bit cleaner, maybe get more revenue back from the owners because the 50 50 split in the revenue sharing that goes on the CBA right now, it's not a permanent fix for the league. It's not fixing the league's problems. So, you know, especially when you have like after 2013 lockout when, when uh, Craig Leopold, the owner of the Minnesota Wild, wanted a 13. 13- or a rollback on salaries after signing Parise, Zach Parise, and Ryan Souter to 13 year 96 million dollar deals right before the lockout happened. So that that's that's part of the issue that I have with the whole thing is that players, their league doesn't market enough, they have missed opportunities to make more money and to compensate some of the top stars in the league, like top stars in the league. So hopefully the new face of the NHLPA can do something about that in the next CBA when it comes up, I think in what, five or six years? Yeah, so, something like so that. Yeah, it, it, it was
1: actually a smart idea during the second lockout, third lockout. Technically, under Gary Bettman, that they actually go long term this time. So they did. He's
0: lost two full seasons under his under his um, under his uh, what's it called under his leadership.
1: Two full seasons. Yeah, great, great job, Great job, Gary. Um, yeah. So we'll see what what can you do for us, Marty? How can you yeah. help us?
0: First by realign and split up the divisions and having point and go through one through eight. That way you fight over four playoff spots and not just two.
1: All right, that is gonna do it. Episode one forty-one of Orange and Backcheck. Make sure you are following us on all social channels: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Backcheck on Twitter at Backcheck Podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Orange Backcheck at gmail.com. Thank you to the hockey podcast network. And sign up. It's your last chance. Super Bowl weekend is coming up. Go birds. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook hashtag, or excuse me, yeah, promo code THPN when signing up to get the bonus offer of betting $5 as a new customer, and you get $200 in instant bets. Enjoy it. Go, Birds.
0: E-A-G-L-E-S.
1: Eagles. Nice. Appreciate it. That one. That was a good one.